Hola, everybody. Welcome to the Unicorn Millionaire Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Stover. I'm a non-binary Latinx money coach helping my first-gen clients become millionaires. I'm a formerly undocumented Mexican-American and currently digital nomad traveling all over the world. And I'm super excited to have you here along with me on my journey. I talk about personal finance, money mindset, working, unicorns, rainbows, you name it. We're here, we're queer, and we are going to build wealth for ourselves and our communities. Hey y'all, how's it going? Right now, as I'm recording this, it is Friday. It's viernes y el cuerpo lo sabe. Today, my body is very sore because yesterday I went running for the first time in seven weeks. So long story short, seven weeks ago when I was still living in Playa del Carmen, getting ready to leave, my knees went out out of nowhere. And I think it's a combination of stress, but also the fact that I would run on the the beach barefoot. I did that for about a year and a half. And so I woke up one day and I was barely able to walk And as somebody who lives alone, that freaked me out because I couldn't get anybody to help me do stuff. So I saw a bunch of specialists, orthopedists, and he looked at the x-rays and said, your ligaments have just been torn from the movement of running on the beach. So don't run barefoot on the beach, (laughs) especially on the loose, the, the more difficult part of the sand. Okay, as a Virgo, I like a challenge. Not only would I run on on the beach, I would run in the most difficult part with all of the loose sand so that I could feel like I did something today. <laughs> Such a freaking Virgo. Always got to prove something and do the most. But hey, <laughs> it is what it is. So today I wanted to talk to y'all about brokerage accounts. What the fuck are brokerage accounts? I work with a lot of first-gen, BIPOC, Latinx, Black, LGBT clients who are the first to make the most money in their families. And I'm basically here to be that queer tío from out of town that comes in and uh, lets them know what's good. tells them what to do with their finances, what investment vehicles to to invest in and take advantage of all this extra cash that you have that you might want to put to work in better ways than it is already. So brokerage accounts, I like to see them as the actual high yield savings accounts with a caveat. Okay, so in brokerage accounts, basically you want to be investing money once you've built up your emergency fund. So building up your emergency fund is the priority before doing any kind of investing, in my opinion. And an emergency fund shouldn't just be an arbitrary number where you feel like you'll be good because some people will randomly come up with, with numbers saying, oh, when I'm at 5K or 10K or 20K, that's my emergency fund and I'll be good. But the problem with that is our brains are funny and we like to assign comfort to different levels of money. But once we reach those levels of money, we realize we're still traumatized from money trauma from our past. We got to clean shit up and really get down to to the math, the money math. 
So we should be able to calculate, okay, what does my emergency fund actually look like? If I were to lose my job, for example, or go through rough times, because a lot of my clients are also entrepreneurs too, I should have at least six to 12 months of expenses lined up ready to go in case something happens to me. So I say that because some people will put way too much cash in their emergency funds because they think that savings where it's at and we watch our parents have a scarcity mindset and be afraid of money and have negative conversations and have arguments about money only and conversations, at least for me growing up, were never positive ever at all, period. But that's what I'm here to do as a money coach. I've unlearned that and my clients are unlearning that. We come in and we talk about money objectively. It is what it is. I'm not here to judge you and say, oh, you have this much you're a bad person, which is kind of the fear that is associated with money in the first place. We think we'll be judged or we judge ourselves, judge ourselves for not having enough or sometimes having too much. I've had clients who've inherited tens of thousands of dollars and they feel shame around that and they don't feel like they want to tell anybody or that they don't deserve it because I've had that happen to me once too. So I get where they're coming from. One time I randomly inherited $20,000, which I never thought I would inherit. So I got all up in my feels about, oh, I don't deserve this money. But at the end of the day, those thoughts even serve us on our wealth building journey. How does thinking we don't deserve the privilege of inheriting money help us build wealth, not just for ourselves, but for our communities? If we're stuck for months or years in that guilt, that's not helping anyone at all. So that's the first step that we need to, to move past is acknowledging the guilt and the money trauma and the basically the bad beliefs that aren't helping us become our millionaire selves and start rewiring the pathways in our brain. So that's where the work lies. So with brokerage accounts, like I mentioned, you want to have that emergency fund you want to have debt paid off or a debt payoff plan, which is something I've also seen with first-gen clients, even making six figures, they'll still have $50,000 in credit card debt or student loan debt, which in my opinion, Biden's not going to forgive it all. He just keeps deferring the student loan interest payments, hoping probably that the next administration will deal with it. It's just a band-aid on a systemic problem. Education should be free in this country. But that's another TED Talk. So you want to have a debt payoff plan. And I've also helped clients uh, who, have, who feel more excited about investing and growing their money. Something that I've noticed is that those same clients still feel guilt about having credit card debt. So it's my job as a coach to make you aware of all the different areas of your finances that need work. And I'm not here to waste time judging anybody. We're out here to get down to business have that credit card debt payoff plan. And it's as simple as I've walked clients through a credit card debt payoff calculator for the first time in their lives, do that together online via Zoom screen share. And we come up with specific monthly payment numbers and we, we switch numbers around. We say, okay, if you have $5,000 in debt and you make $700 monthly payments, it's gonna take you, what, three years to pay that off. And if you do that, you'll pay about I don't know, $2,000 in interest 
I'm definitely throwing these numbers out <laughs> of my ass. They're not real, but it's just to give you an idea because we associate so much emotion to money and numbers and then we get scared and then we don't look at the calculators and say, oh, I'll just pay it off later when I get the money. And it's just a vicious cycle that's not helping you or your community at all. So it's not really about you <laughs> at the end of the day. It's about how your actions are helping yourself and your community. So that's those are patterns that I've broken within myself and that we're breaking on our wealth building journey that I help clients with. Let's confront all of the areas and, and help come up with that payoff plan. So then once you have that debt payoff plan, you invest in retirement accounts. You know what your 401k is invested in, which is something that I've helped clients. We look at the 401ks and we want to understand exactly what we're invested in within our 401ks or uh, other 403bs. Some clients in the public sector as well, too. We want to know exactly what you're investing in. Because one time I had a client who was about 30 years old and we looked at her 401k and it was basically invested in cash. And she thought she had taken one of those surveys, you know, when you start a job and it asks you, okay, what's your risk tolerance? When are you trying to retire? And she thought that she filled that out correctly. But some way, somehow, you know, when you get lost in this, this finance, this white man jargon, you get lost. And, and yeah, the 401k was just invested in cash as flatlining, losing value to inflation. So that was a red flag. If you're 30 years old and trying to retire when you're 60, 70, you definitely want to be invested in anything other than cash because cash is losing value to inflation. This is why, not only why we invest to outpace inflation, but because inflation, if you have like a surplus of money, it's losing money every single day, which we don't talk about enough, but we are today. Okay. <laughs> So all of these little things matter. You want to have your emergency fund, a debt payoff plan, at least while still leveraging credit card rewards and not hoarding points and paying yourself back with them and capitalizing off intro bonus offers so you can get those bougie bottomless mimosas at those airport lounges. I love my Chase Sapphire Reserve card. It's one of the many credit cards that I have that I pay off monthly on time. On the business side, I still do have business credit card debt because it's very different from personal. My business credit card, I can write off the credit card interest. So I end up paying less in taxes for that. And I also want to keep money in my business bank account so that I can pay myself so that I can live and not become resentful of my business. Because last year, I remember not having a payment schedule. I was just, it was a wild west. I was investing a bunch of my personal money into my business and seeing return. But this year, I just wanted it to hit different and know that at the end of the month, I'm paying myself for all of the work that I'm doing, whether it's posting on Instagram, responding to DMs, or recording this podcast. I love this and it's a job. So paying yourself is important. 
I mentioned that part about the business credit card debt to normalize that even money coaches can have debt as long as we're being strategic about it and are able to justify why we're in debt. Corporations don't say debt, they use leverage. Same word. Rich people don't say debt, they say leverage. (laughs) So millionaires take out mortgages, millionaires borrow money. It's not just something that's stigmatized like the, oh, poor people need to borrow money. No, millionaires and billionaires out here borrowing money as well. So emergency funds, debt payoff plan, while being strategic about debt in the first place, investing in retirement, your 401k, your IRA, your Roth IRA, and then comes the brokerage account for you to invest any leftover money. I had no idea what a brokerage account was until I was 26, and my friend helped me open up my very first Roth IRA ever and a brokerage account. She was a financial advisor that helped me out, and... I didn't understand what it meant, but she just showed me a chart of the stock market and was like, you're not making a lot of money, but you just should start young with small amounts. So that's what I ended up doing. Charlie from five years ago when I was 26 was trying to invest for 70-year-old Charlie. (laughs) Little did I know that 26-year-old Charlie, their investments were already benefit 31-year-old Charlie now. My brokerage account had about $5,000 in it when I started, and I basically opened it through what's called a robo-advisor. So my very first two investment accounts were through robo-advisors, which it depends who you open it with. I opened mine with Charles Schwab, and they had a minimum requirement of you have to put in $5,000. Okay. So that's basically like if you want them to manage your money for you, it's not a person managing it. It's basically a computer algorithm. You tell it, I want you to be aggressive and I'm trying to retire by the time I'm 65. And the computer basically does the work for you. So I relied on that when I didn't understand what the heck investing was or anything about stock. I let that sit there and do its thing. A poco a poco would put in like 20 bucks here, 100 bucks there just to have my money grow and invest in the stock market. And I didn't understand anything about the tax consequences of it too. So the difference between a brokerage account and a retirement account is the tax consequences. The richer you get, the more you're going to have to pay attention to taxes. And I'm not saying paying taxes is bad. I get excited the more taxes I have to pay because that means the more money I'm making. So we shouldn't be afraid of paying taxes, but there's definitely ways that the white capitalist man has invented for us to be smarter and save money on taxes and be strategic about it instead of just trusting TurboTax to figure it out, (laughs) which I've been there. (laughs) So I remember when I was starting work as a stockbroker, answering calls at the call center People would call in and talk about brokerage account this, brokerage account that. And then I noticed how many casual millionaires there are in this country who some, yes, they had that robo-advisor that I had, but there were other people there who were sitting on millions of dollars in what's called self-managed brokerage accounts. So they decided exactly what to invest in. And I was like, wow, these people are so smart and skilled. They don't need a robot to do it for them. 
<laughs> and I laugh now because probably about half those rich white people inherited those stocks. They probably don't even understand why they were chosen or how they work, but they inherited them because somebody in their family died and they inherited that. And that seems like a taboo topic. I don't see a lot of people talking about inheritances, but I do because I have the privilege of benefiting from them. And I was very smart because I understood how the stock market worked. When I got my inheritance, instead of buying a car or something that loses value over time, I kept my same spending habits. I kept working uh, as a dog sitter on the side while being a stockbroker. And I invested that shit. I remember even putting half my paycheck into my 401k because I had that extra cushion of cash on the side. So I used the investment to keep paying the rent and upped my contribution for my 401k because I had that large influx of cash. So I injected a ton of that cash into the stock market. Also to catch up for all the lost time I'd had in my 20s when I didn't have a job with a 401k really. I did this all at age 29 to just play catch up so that I could let 30, 40, 50, 60 year old Charlie really reap the rewards of investing. And they all say all these things to normalize that we should be investing for the long term. So that's how brokerage accounts can help us. So the difference between brokerage account and retirement account, for example, in a retirement account like a 401k or a Roth IRA, there's maximum contribution limits. Every year they change. For this year, you can only contribute up to $6,000 to your Roth IRA. And that money grows tax-free and grows and grows and grows, which is great. So you don't have to worry about taxes when you retire and take that money out. At the 401k, at least at the time of this recording, the maximum contribution limit was 20500 the IRS has caps on all of these accounts because they don't want everybody to be benefiting from them and not paying taxes. The IRS wants their taxes in different ways, but in order to incentivize people to invest in the stock market, that's why they've designed these type of tax-sheltered accounts. But it's historically, it's middle-class white people, upper-class white people, millionaires that know how these accounts work and use them to their advantage. But the neat thing about brokerage accounts is that there's no cap. There's also no income limits. So to contribute for a Roth IRA, unless you do a backdoor Roth IRA, if you're making somewhere in the six-figure range, you're actually making too much money so you can't contribute to a Roth IRA. You can still do an individual retirement account, an IRA. But with a brokerage account, it doesn't matter. You can be a millionaire and have a brokerage account. And you can be making no money and have a brokerage account. But what's important to know is that in the brokerage account, every time you sell a stock, that what's called a trade is reported and sent to the IRS. So I remember when there was the GameStop craze, everybody and their mother tried opening up a retirement hood and jumping in on that without understanding the tax consequences of buying and selling stock in a brokerage account. And it depends. You're, you might be in a different tax bracket than me. So if I sell a stock and you sell a stock, we're going to both be paying different tax rates. 
that's something that's important to know. I didn't know anything about tax rates, this or that, until I worked as a stockbroker and I had to start familiarizing myself with this. Because before, I used to just download TurboTax, TurboTax, tell me which forms to to give you. I remember getting taxed like crazy. I always get a refund and trusting TurboTax to everything. And then once I worked in finance, I was like, oh, you can like Google your tax bracket. When I was a stockbroker, I was making like $40,000. So I was probably taxed in like the, I don't know, 12 or 22% range. And that, that tax bracket dictates how much tax you're going to pay in your brokerage account. So personally, I use my brokerage account to have my money grow itself more than it would if it were just sitting in a high-yield savings account. Because high-yield savings accounts to me are scams. You might get those cute emails that say, hey, we just raised your interest rate from 0.75 to 1%. Yay. <laughs> but I don't care because inflation's still at like 8%. You're still losing value at 8%. But I don't want people to say, oh, I don't, don't want to have cash then. You should have cash. Because when the stock market crashes, you'll be happy that you have cash to weather the storm and aren't depending on the stock market. There's a saying in Spanish that applies to the stock market that goes, Todos son valientes hasta que vuelan la cucaracha. Everyone's brave until the cockroach flies. Everybody thinks they're risky and wants to just invest everything. Y luego, when the stock market crashes, which it will continue to do because it's a cycle, because we're in the capitalist machine and it's engineered to do this, so rich people benefit while poor people are marginalized even more. You really see who understands the system during the crashes and who aprovechas when when shit hits the fan. So that's what we're all about learning out here. To not be scared of the crashes and the recessions, but to take advantage of them and understand that they're going to continue happening and taking advantage of them and teaching our communities how to think the next time this happens or how to think when it happens. So brokerage accounts can be a really great tool to have your money grow when you've maxed out that emergency fund and you want your money to work for you in your sleep. So as an example, uh, that same brokerage account I opened when I was 26, I had like $5,000 in it. Uh, Last year when I hired my business coach, it was going to be the biggest expense I've ever paid for. And she was charging $3,000. I didn't take that from my cash. I didn't take that from my emergency fund. I, that night, I knew I was going to work with her. And so that night in the after hours market, like at 6, 7 p.m. when the stock market closes, you can still sell stock uh, during the week. I sold $3,000 of my Tesla stock. And then that stock took two days to convert to cash because it has to settle. And then I took that cash from selling my stock and I used that to pay for my business coach. And then the next month I made $7,500 from my business thanks to that coach. So I say this to normalize that investing is not just in the stock market. Investing is a great 
stepping stone for us to start investing in other things that bring us more joy. Which do you think I was happier investing in? Elon Musk's car company or a Latina woman business coach? Hell yeah, I was so excited to get rid of that Tesla stock and pay for somebody in my community. So that's how I see brokerage accounts. I use them as a tool, but I also have cash on the side to pay my bills monthly. I'm not just like checking my stocks all the time to see if I can pay the bills because I've also seen that working in finance. There were so many people who would call every single day and would freak out when the stock market dipped because they had no cash and they paid their bills every month by selling stock. Sometimes it was popping, other times it was not. So that's why it's important to have still cash on the side. But once you have the emergency fund built up and you're investing in retirement accounts and are paying off your debt, you can still invest in that vehicle that is the brokerage account, which you can open at Schwab, Vanguard, Fidelity. And it's up to you if you want to open up a robo-advisor or do self-managed. After getting my license and becoming a stockbroker, I decided to close my robo-advised accounts. I said I can probably, I remember calling and saying, I want to close this. I think I can do it better myself. And they were like, yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) And another reason why I closed them was because even in the most aggressive portfolio, they'll still have it invested in cash because these brokerage firms want to cover their asses and still give you a cash cushion, which makes sense because they're probably looking out for the people that, like I said, have no cash at all and want to invest just wild west it but for somebody like me who already has cash on the side that's making slightly higher interest in a savings account than it would be sitting in a brokerage account it made sense for me to just close that uh, robe advisor and invest myself so i hope this this helps you i want to normalize that we should be having that emergency fund built up and be able to justify the number in it Understand that cash is losing value to inflation every day and having all the cash bajo el colchón is not it. And we can also be investing and having a debt payoff plan. There's no point to investing and having our money grow poco a poco over time if we're paying these credit card companies hundreds or thousands of dollars in credit card interest uh, a month. Credit card companies hate me. I pay my ish on time and I get other people to pay their stuff on time and I'm constantly referring people to credit cards that I believe in, like the Amex Blue Crash Preferred card. I just opened the Chase Freedom card because when you spend $500, you get $200 back. It's just like free money right and left as long as you're being strategic and smart about it. And doing that's also helped me build my credit score over time too. So... A brokerage account is a great tool. I believe it's essential for building wealth outside of cash or having a retirement account as well. And going back to the topic of inheritances, when you do open one, it's really important to have a beneficiary set up. Because if not, then if if you have no family, the state is going to take it. If you have no beneficiary, your family's going to have to, or loved ones, I I don't want to say family, loved ones, because I'm on team chosen family out here due to family estrangement. I haven't seen my biological nuclear family in years. (laughs) 
So whoever you decide to leave your money to, designate a beneficiary. can't tell you how many times working in finance I saw people who didn't designate a beneficiary and their family members had to pay so much in court fees to have access to their money and justify that it was, they were entitled to it. Or people who just didn't change their beneficiaries. So many people with their, their exes, ex, ex-wives, ex-husbands on their accounts. Even after remarrying, they forgot to change the beneficiaries. Some people had their mistresses on as their beneficiaries. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm spilling the tea. <laughs> so I hope this has helped you understand the importance of brokerage accounts. If you want to learn more, I invite you to join my masterclass on July 13th at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to put the link to sign up for it. You'll get an hour with me in a group. You'll get access to Q&A. I'll talk about my six-month coaching program. And we're going to learn more about how brokerage accounts can help you build wealth and help you achieve the short and the long-term goals. Because I want to break that myth that investing just means in retirement. And while, yes, ultimately... My goal is to have my brokerage account still have money and investments in it by the time I retire. But if you have short-term goals and investments you want to make, like business coaching and want to sell $3,000 in Tesla stock now without consequences, just understanding taxes, that's an option for you too. So I want you to be excited about, about using your money and putting it to work instead of feeling guilty about not doing enough with it. Because remember, when we sit in guilt of our money, that's not helping ourselves or our communities too. Once we start learning, we start talking about this and normalizing money conversations in positive ways with our loved ones. And, and, and yeah, we just live better, more fulfilled lives when we're less scared, more informed, and have money help us achieve our goals, which are definitely allowed to change. So yes, I'm looking forward to see you enroll in my masterclass. And if you're interested in my six-month coaching program, I am taking new clients. So I will post the link in the show notes. All right, everybody. Have a beautiful day. Bye. The information contained in the Unicorn Millionaire podcast is provided for general informational use only. Your purchase, download, and use of this material does not constitute a client relationship. The views expressed by the Unicorn Millionaire podcast hosts and guests are not intended to constitute accountant, legal, tax certified financial planner, stock advisor, or other professional advice. Users of this podcast material should not act upon this information. Users of this podcast material should do their own due diligence by independently verifying all information products, and services mentioned with their own qualified professionals before making any decisions. We assume no responsibility for information contained in the Unicorn Millionaire podcast and disclaim all liability with respect to errors, inaccuracies, omissions, misleading, or defamatory statements. Users of this podcast accept and understand the terms of the disclaimer.